When you think about giving to others, do you feel fulfilled and satisfied with what you're contributing to the world? Or do you fret or just not feel good, worrying that you're not doing the right amount? Today, we explore charitable giving and global issues as a vehicle to experience personal freedom. Nonprofit leader and human rights champion Heather Schapter is here to enlighten us. Welcome to the How to Be Free podcast. I'm Michelle LeDuc Catlin. And I'm Stephen Francis. Stay with us as we explore how to create freedom around global issues and our personal responses. Heather Schapter has been empowering people around the world for the whole of her multi-decade career, having worked with diverse cultures in Haiti and Palestine and Israel and Bangladesh in Russia, Kenya, and many other countries across Africa. She not only has an international perspective on charitable giving and global issues, but I can tell you that as a friend, she has more patience, perspective, and peace than almost anyone I know. She is currently the executive director at Crossroads International, empowering women and girls in nine different countries across Africa, as well as in Canada. And she is our honored guest today. Welcome, Heather, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So there is so much ground to cover here today, but we're going to start with our foundational question. What does freedom mean to you? Mm, Yeah, thank you for the question. The first thing is it, for me, it's making a difference. And, you know, I happen to get to make a difference in this global way, but it's really making a difference. When I'm making a difference, it's usually not about me. Now, there is a me in there because, of course, I'm free (laughs) (laughs) and fulfilled. But when the attention is off myself and I'm connected to making a difference. What's Mm. right there is freedom. Mm. It's really great. This is such a, you know, Mm. when we think about global issues, we Mm. don't always think about personal freedom, and yet there is a direct correlation. Tell us about how you got to that place. I mean, that's a pretty big piece of wisdom. What is your journey that brought you to this place? Mm, Sure, yeah. You know, the first thing I can remember is being in kindergarten and it was at the time of the Vietnamese war in terms of refugees coming you know to Canada for example so this is in Newfoundland in St. John's and Mrs. Stead the great the kindergarten teacher she said Heather take and then the Vietnamese refugee we were privileged to have her in our class take her to the washroom you know how you go in twos, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At yes. school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I took her hand. We went to the washroom. And she opened the stall door. And, and she saw a Western toilet. And she didn't sit on the toilet. She jumped up. And she squat. As, of course, she would know from doing in her hometown and her home mm-hmm. village. And when she did that, I said wow, where are you from? I want to know 
more about where you're from. Wow. And that just started the, it's like the cultural aspect of it for me, like the diversity, like, wow, you're different. We don't do things like that here. And then I got really engaged in, well, there are some places in the world, there's some people in the world who don't have everything they need and they're not empowered to get it. So that was really the second piece. And growing up in Newfoundland, the water, excuse the pun, we swim in, it's surrounded by water. Mm-hmm. It's really just you take care of each other. You know, dad still makes the really bad tasting mm. blueberry wine and brings it to the neighbors who then bring over cherry loaf, like just that kind of a, not better than, but just a kind of, you just you make know. sure everybody has what they need. And from there, what was, what, tell, take us on just a few of the next steps that got you to where you are working specifically to empower women and girls with Crossroads. Yeah, sure. So I started my first non-governmental organization when I was 17. So I got really interested in, wow, there's this whole world of, they call it like civil society, right? So it's not government and it's not business. Uh, and it's really dedicated to having people and communities who don't necessarily have everything they need to have them uh, have the access to resources and education. So I got really intrigued in um, perhaps that could be a vehicle to so, really sort of like, fulfill. Like Karl Popper's open society, civil society, kind of like the open society, this idea of like it's it's civil society that makes a society cohesive. It's like the little chess clubs and neighbors helping each other and that kind of thing rather than the, the big corporate or governmental structures like that that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like the um, what's not being fulfilled by current institutions. Mm, so whether that's education mm. or, or churches or synagogues or governments or business mm. like that. So, sure. so I got really interested in that. And, um, and so then I started, um, you know, I started working in those areas. I started volunteering in those areas. But at the same time, I had already an inkling that one single approach probably wasn't going to end poverty in my lifetime. So very early on, I got a master's in business. So I thought, okay, well, you know, business isn't meeting the needs of a lot of the people I'm interested in having be served. But then, you know, business also works, right? Because people keep staying in business like that. Mm -hmm. And so I got an MBA and then I really started to look and see through women's economic empowerment. So that was kind of like the business piece as well. Um, how could I make the biggest difference through organizations? So I worked with organizations like Care Canada, like Save the Children. I got to work with the largest non-governmental organization on the planet, and they're in Bangladesh, right? Um, Got to work with them. Um, And maybe I can tell one story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So just to say that um, inspired along the way, the... um, the then head of BRAC in Bangladesh, and they stand for um, also the end of poverty. Um, And again, they really focus on women and girls. And I do want to say that's always in partnership with all genders. This is not an either or conversation. Hmm. But Faisal Abed, who's now passed away, um, his commitment was women and girls. Like this was it. He said, if we're going to get this done the most quickly, we're going to focus on women and girls. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people aren't familiar with why the impact uh, or the impact that's made 
when you focus on women and girls. So can you just give us some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the research really around the world, and it's not not special to developing countries, but um, that women, and in particular um, moms, um, when you give them access to tools, resources, education they're just more likely to have that benefit their families and their communities. And again, I really caution, this is not about vilifying, you know, men and dad, it's just what the research shows. So, and of course, you really need to have um, men and dads really on board with, like, why is this the best thing that, you know, um, your wife has access to microcredit. Your wife has access to expanding the family business like that. Why that's the best thing for the whole family and for the whole community. So, of course, they're, it's really important they're brought on as champions. I, I, I remember years ago, and I, I sort of take it to a 5% darker place for a second, but I remember years ago someone told me that, <laughs> you know, if you extend a microloan to a woman, she's going to buy a shovel. Uh, a man is likely to buy a weapon, Right, because his first thought is to like defend the homestead, and and you know it's they're probably living somewhere where resources are very scarce, and therefore there's a lot of intense and sometimes violent competition for it. So, is that? I mean, obviously it's a bit of a cliche and an oversimplification, but is that sort of along the lines of what we're talking about here? Is that when we'll tend to do something more constructive with the money? Um, yeah, I think that's a really great example. I, I haven't heard that. Um, that's that's a really good one. Um, I mean, another version of it is. Crossroads, for example, we have these girls empowerment clubs um, in a number of countries throughout Africa. And what we have found sometimes is the boys can be threatened when girls get empowered and start being more confident, expressing themselves differently, uh, also being really clear that it's not okay to touch their bodies, you know, like that. So when we found that we started to also create boys empowerment clubs at the same time it all transformed boys totally got it there was nothing to be threatened about Um, they started advocating for girls like that that's fantastic i mean i mean how does it get any better than that right so yeah So I'll go back to my story. Just yes, to, please. Just yes, to, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't, didn't mean to do So just to say, because this is something I get moved by, even though Dr. Abbott, or uh, um, we used to call him Abbott by, uh, has passed away. So his stand, women and girls, right? So he said that he wanted to only hire women for his organization. So they were reaching 2 million women clients. They had 50,000 staff. Okay, so just imagine. And Bangladesh is a Muslim country. Okay, mm. so, you know, like just how radical. And uh, and there were men absolutely who worked there, but he kept saying, I'm only going to hire like that. And then um, they created this enormous sericulture and aquaculture program. So silk making mm. and aquaculture, right? Fish farming. Mm. There were no no women. In fact, there were very few men who even had that education. Mm. But he said, we're only going to hire women. Mm. So he built the first university in Bangladesh so that women could get degrees in aquaculture and sericulture. Wow. So they could then like that. So it's like along the way, it's like, okay, I got, you know, 
what my way to make a difference in poverty, advance the rights of women and girls, I'm not going to be stopped. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, because yeah. Right. Who, yeah. yeah, look what he did. That, that, and yeah. it was, you know, modeled after Harvard and, you know, like that. There, there some, I'd love to visit Bangladesh. That's an amazing country. You know, they, I know the story of how they built their parliament building. They had the, the great Louis Kahn, Philadelphia based architect, and he made it out of local brick. And the fight, the, the fighter jets from Pakistan would fly overhead and they didn't bomb it because it looked like this ancient monument. And they just, in the middle of this like rice paddy, they basically built this beautiful building with like, with nothing, with brick, literally bricks and straw, right? Clay, hand formed bricks and straw. Amazing story. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and Bangladesh is one of the few countries that before the, so there there are the, you know, global sustainable development goals, right, which are, yeah. you know, measuring the goals around education, end of poverty, um, end of um, gender-based violence, right? So there's the sustainable development goals that are ending in 2030, but the last ones ended in 2015, and Bangladesh is one of the very few countries that actually accomplished them all wow. before that deadline wow yeah. that's that's a quite the achievement quite the achievement yeah yeah, yeah. i mean th- there's sort of a segue in there which is that you know you and i met i guess a couple of years ago at uh, mishka's picnic and uh i i've actually been citing a statistic you you gave me and in fact it inspired me to write an article on linkedin a, a little more than a year ago uh when the pandemic was really getting rolling up my my concern became that, you know, as, as much as the economic depredations of, uh, and we don't normally talk about the, the pandemic on, on the show here or politics in general, but, but certainly there's obviously been economic impacts from, from the lockdowns, whether they were justified or not, setting that aside, clearly there's going to be an economic impact. So for us, that means perhaps some discomfort. For someone in, say, Bangladesh who's working in a garment factory, which is now shut down, that could be literally life-threatening, right? So that was the one of the cruxes of of my of my argument on linkedin was about you know how important it is to have a proper problem statement but it, it verged into talking about like we're not we're perhaps not managing the trade-off as well as we might be so the reason i'm reason i'm bringing this up is that i was thinking when i wrote it of, of our conversation because you told me at the time again about two years ago a little bit more than that uh that there were if i recall correctly there were about 100 million people on the planet in absolute poverty, which is no, no, no revenues and no assets, right? They have no, no money coming in and they have nothing. So that's absolute poverty. 100 million people and they were in 30 countries, which, at the, you know, you first hear that number, it sounds like a lot, but it's not, right? I mean, it's 7.2 or whatever we're up to now, billion people on the planet, such a very, very small percentage. And given that they're in relatively few countries, it seemed, I remember saying to you, oh, this is doable, right? We could, we could make a few phone calls today, probably, and deal with this. If you give those people $2, then they don't, they're not in that category anymore, right? So here we are now, a couple of very consequential years later, um, and I saw a shocking fact from uh, Michelle in her show notes that, that, she, that she sends to the team before the show, and it says, we've regressed about 10 to 15 years uh, back from where we were. Uh, is that correct? I mean, is that that's the seems to be the best estimate? So, so ten to fifteen years of lost ground in terms of absolute and extreme poverty, right? Yeah, in fact, across all of the sustainable development goals, um, it's ten to fifteen years with women and girls having the the hardest impact. Oh, or, yeah. yeah, I mean the the part about it too, and 
And this is, I think, the opportunity for making a difference and for solidarity is, you know, it's not like over there in Bangladesh or where Crossroads works, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, the rise of, you know, gender-based violence, right? The rise of domestic abuse. Mm. That's everywhere in the pandemic, Yeah. right? So it it is not just over there, right? It's here and, um, you know, that... You know, we have women farmers who they've had to eat their seeds because that's how they're staying alive. Ah, so, Lord. you know, maybe and you know, this is being broadcast from Canada. So, you know, hopefully that extremity isn't being experienced around us. But people will have their versions of of hardship they've not experienced, I mm-hmm. think, during COVID in ways that include food insecurity. Mm. So no one wants that for anybody, but it has been an opportunity for people to see, gosh, you know, we're not disconnected. We're not different. I've got a different version of this hardship, but I got this. I've got this hardship. Mm. So then it's like, okay, so what does freedom look like in that mess? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, so how do we, that's the focus of this podcast, right? Is, is personal freedom, um, and of course, hard to enjoy one's personal freedom if you know that someone else is really languishing dreadfully. Um, but so, what? What? Okay, so here you are. You're very much a leader in the not-for-profit world. What do you think is needed for us as a global community to get back on track here? And and again, and 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 what's in it for me? I can get to experience more freedom in this area. Because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I do not personally experience much freedom in the area of giving. I grew up in, in, in what's considered in the Western world, fairly high level of want, a fairly high level of, of sort of poverty, if you like. Um, and so I, I struggle sometimes. I'm like, well, can I really give, you know, and will I be okay? So long, long version of the question. Here's the short version. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I do lead a global organization, and that just happens to be the way I like to make a difference. But I would say to the audience that for you to make a difference, it might be very local. It might be very even personal. It might be at your children's school. It might be on your street. It might be pulling in the garbage for your neighbor. Mm. It might be, you know, in the winter doing a bit of shoveling, right? It might be in a public washroom. You just do it a little bit of a cleanup on the counter. So that- I, I love what you're pointing to because I, I mentioned to you when we were talking before the podcast that I had done a course through the Charter for Compassion, right, on giving. And for me, how I got f- some freedom around that was recognizing the type of giver that I am. Right. It's like you said, for you, it's about working with an international organization. Right. For other people, it might be, you know, doing an anonymous good deed, like cleaning up a bathroom counter, a public washroom counter, or um, as you were saying to us before the podcast, you know, taking some food over to a neighbor, you know. And I think that's a really key thing to remember is recognizing what where what's what calls to you so 
what practical steps? You've already started on it, and and uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity to share some of the other great ideas you have. I know you wanted to screen share. What are some of the practical steps we can take to experience being 5% more free? Yeah, great. So I will share my screen, and I'll also speak to a few items at the same time. Great. So we've mentioned a few. So there's also... I know in my area, it's really easy to donate food, for example, mm. or donate clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the pandemic, like leaving a grocery bag of food at someone's door, and that could be in an apartment or it could be on your street. And of course, you know, make sure they're not perishable, you know, things, <laughs> things like that you want to pay attention to. Um, and, you know, something I've been doing is just making anonymous online donations, um, some people really want to support the environment, right? So go plant a tree and maybe, you know, just do it kind of quietly, right? Privately like that. Um, and then the with frontline workers, right? The, um, delivering food to those it really um, can be also fun, right? These can be fun ways to make a difference. And then just see how you feel after it. And then some of the ones here also speak to if you are in the workplace, right, that um, you, know, you can leave an encouraging sticky note on a colleague's desk. Oh, colleagues love when you bring treats, you know, like that, <laughs> but you don't have to say who it's from. So those are a few ideas. And then the gift card I wanted to mention, leaving a gift card, especially in this time at someone's uh, front door in their mailbox can be a really lovely way. Mm-hmm. to uh, to make a difference so, and then, and I, like I, I love that right you maybe think that you maybe uh, yeah. there's a neighbor who's elderly perhaps or or, or mm-hmm. has just gone through surgery lives alone i love that idea local supermarket go down there get a get a gift card for them or even just a cash card pop it in the envelope pop it in the mailbox with with a, with a sticky just saying you know thought you might appreciate this or something like that yeah I liked the, you know, also the very, very simple ones you had on the list, like uh, leaving money in a parking meter, you know, extra money in a parking meter. Those ones yeah. are so... That I do all the time. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how sweet. Yeah, that's good. And even the, you know, in the, I'm not around vending machines very much, but also, right, there's the, you could leave money in the vending machine or just like close to the vending machine, right. like that, right? So there's, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I This is so great because I think... I want to uh, kind of encapsulate the things you've said, right? As Stephen pointed to in the beginning, there is a a sense that we have of experiencing freedom. And, well, you said it outright, when we have our attention off of ourselves, Mm. right? And the practical ways that we can do that are by doing what we're kind of inspired or called to do, you know? And that rather than putting our – so this is what I'm – just getting is that rather than putting our attention on all the problems that we think we should be acting on, we should be fixing, what calls to us? What are we moved by? I mean, it's so clear you were moved by a little girl who stood on a toilet. <laughs> you know, wow, here's a new culture. You know, I, that's really wonderful. I yeah, also, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and you know, there's many discussions that can be had on, right? Oh, I should actually go back to volunteering. So I, I want to come back to that, oh, but yes, just to say that, um, 
you know, there is that butterfly right, ripple effect, they say, right throughout the world. So who knows, right, that, that um, the, the elderly couple yeah. who got the gift card who now could go to home hardware or the hardware store or the grocery store, that they then are just a 5% more empowered to then go visit their granddaughter. Like, right, we don't, we have no idea. We could make up that it makes a difference globally. Mm. So you've just taken our 5% question to a, a whole new level, right? Is that your own 5% then empowers another 5% and another 5%. So not just your continuing 5%, but you're actually... And of course, you know, you if, know if we're just going back to global bond. giving for a second, that 5%, you know, more... And, and look, I just want to say something here. I think, it's a, I think it's a spiritual truth that if you want something, give it to somebody else, you know. I, I I I have seen that crop up in my life so often, and just when when we do something for other people, especially if I find if I do it anonymously, I'll just say I because I don't want to speak for somebody else. Uh, when I do something like that, I feel very empowered. I do feel more mm. free. It's it's paradoxical yeah. that I'm giving away money or time, but I feel like oh, I, it's it's affirming for me that I have enough, more than enough, right? And it's affirming for me that I can actually do something, which is a an increasingly scarce feeling, I think in our technocratic mm. society, especially yeah. during, you know, the P word, the pandemic, right? So, and, yeah. and then- That's and, a great point. And a car, sorry, and a follow-on point, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed here. So a follow-on point <laughs> for me is, is this. So my 5% that I give, let's say I'm gonna give globally, I'm gonna to give to an organization like Crossroads. We are talking here about somebody who's eating their seed corn, right? Not because they're frivolous or silly uh, or profligate, right? But because they're gonna die otherwise. And, you know, they're going to risk dying next year of starvation because they won't get there otherwise. My 5%, that could, that could be a lot of seed packets. We are talking here about sending an envelope of seeds to somebody, right? This is not that hard to, I mean, how, how, how deep do I have to dig here? You know, my, my 5% points, is somebody yeah. else's 100%. Right. Yeah, very good point. And one action that people can take just riffing off of your jazz uh, is that to support a big upcoming event that you have at Crossroads International. I know it is the 10th annual Day of the Girl Breakfast coming up on October 7th this year, 2021. Um, it is a virtual event this year, but you will apparently be networking with people at your table. So what do you want to tell us about this event and thank how can you. people find out about more about it and buying thank tickets? Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. And again, it's a, it's a way to make a difference and um, people can uh, go to our website. So I'll just say that. So it's um, cintl.org right there. So you can register for the event. And what I want people to know about it is the keynote speaker, I'm going to say her name slowly, <laughs> Dr. Nayaradzai Gombonzambanda, and she is from Zimbabwe. She's a human rights lawyer. She's the former general secretary of the global YWCA and has, wow. as you can imagine, many accolades that come with her. And she is speaking about women and girls' issues and their accomplishments, but really bringing attention to the end of child marriage. So you can make a difference. You can have some freedom by participating in a conversation. Maybe it's not an ordinary conversation for some people, 
but it will be an inspired conversation to be part of that. No doubt. And I know that you mentioned to me that Crossroads actually believes that you can turn around that 10 to 15 year regression over the next few years. That is completely our commitment and we're partnering with many organizations to do that. And in Africa, we have 60 civil society partners, Mm. all committed to, so powerful, many are led by women who really, they just get your 5%, like there's nothing stopping them from closing the gap with that 10 to 15 years. I really hear that, and and I I will tell you, I encourage everybody to go to the website, whether you decide to go to this breakfast or not, cintl.org. It is a really inspiring website. There are wonderful personal stories. It's well set up. It's it's really, you know, like an afternoon adventure. So I encourage people to go because I, I really hear that just participating in that will increase your own 5%. Like, you know, it's just inevitable that your 5% would just keep growing. Mm. So thank you so much, Heather. Yeah, th- thanks for all for you're doing for, for the human race. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, this is so important. And I, I, I want to personally thank you for being this. Uh, you're clearly a very quiet, measured powerhouse, you know, and that's just what we need. I love that it's very fact-based and you have metrics and you have measures. Uh, you know, I work in heavy industry a lot and uh, what I can't <laughs> measure, I can't manage. And I hear someone who's who's stepping up and helping to manage the end of global poverty. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, I'd like to finish up just by thanking our sound engineers. That's Caitlin Randall and Toby Leach. Music also by Toby Leach. And uh, if you want a podcast and a box solution, you want to sound like you've been on air for years and years right out, uh, right in the first episode, <laughs> like, like we were able to, um, I recommend you you get in touch with them and I'll put their, their contact information in the show notes, as will uh, Crossroads International's uh, information also be there in the show notes. So I do encourage you to experience that wonderful feeling of, of agency and, and uh, 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 that only comes really with making a difference. So, so please do what you can out there in the world. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.